Welcome to the dough, where Cash is queen and we hardly know her, but we're still here figuring her out together. Because y'all, season two is here, okay? Hosted every week by me, X Maya. Remember, I'm going to be talking to all types of people about their relationship to money. Reality stars, entrepreneurs, financial experts, and even some of my own friends. Basically, anyone who will get real with me about their dollars. How they make money, how they spend it, and how they save it. Because I'm trying to retire early, people. Season 2 of The Dough is out on March 21st, wherever you get your podcasts. Join us on Archetypes, a dynamic podcast hosted by Megan, the Duchess of Sussex, as she digs into the labels that try to hold women back. In each intimate and candid conversation, Megan is joined by guests like Serena Williams, Mariah Carey, Paris Hilton, Issa Rae, and Trevor Noah as they delve into the roots of countless common descriptors of women like diva, crazy, dumb blonde, and the B word, and redefine and reclaim each identity along the way. The complete season of Archetypes is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Lemonada. I'm Kiki Monique, and this is I'm Sorry, a podcast about apologies. And this week, I spent like two hours reorganizing my living room to try to make my, you know, desk work from home space, like just a little cuter, and then spent another two hours putting it exactly the way I started because it just didn't work. And this is Mohanad Al-Sheikhi, and this week, uh, I'm, I'm honestly just ready for January. I'm over December. I think it's a weird month. Like, I think we should go from November to January. That's just me. <laughs> if you get rid of December, the Starbucks Christmas people are going to be so upset at you, and it's going to be another notch on the war against Christmas. We can't afford that as a country. I am in the front line of that war on Christmas. If you're listening right now, I will not rest until I destroy Christmas. Now what? (laughs) Uh, And I'm Oja Lopez. And this week, I meditated three times. And each time, I could not let the thoughts pass through my head without like focusing intensely on the thoughts. (laughs) I am not good at meditation yet, you guys. Every time I have a thought, it is a swirling tornado rabbit hole that I must enter until I, like, I don't know, have memorized every winner of RuPaul's Drag Race um, for every season. It's just too much going on in there, you guys. Same. Maybe I need to do one of those, like, sensory deprivation chambers for a freaking break. I did that. Ooh, how was that? It was very interesting. I got it on a Groupon. Okay. Um, and it was in Brooklyn. And it was pretty cool. I'm, you know, I'm not going to say I, I fully tuned out, but I kind of did just being able to float in the water and, you know, like you could put like different lights if you wanted and then, you know, music or you could go totally black. Yeah. So I did it totally black. I got scared sometimes. So I put like the little flashing lights back on, twinkle, like make it a little better. But it was interesting. Yeah, I've tried it a few times before. Uh, I've I've also done it for free. So, you know, I would never pay for it. But one of the times I did it was like very early in the morning, 7 a.m. or something. And uh, the key is to just fall asleep in the tank. And it's truly <laughs> okay. so fucking trippy. It's insane. 
like the dreams that you have like i dreamt that like i got done and left the tank and everything and it was just and so much has happened and then i did not i was inside the wait whole time. you had a little you had a little dicky moment yes. do you watch dave oh I my did, gosh i literally did watch it and i was like oh my god this is so accurate because if you do sleep with the tank you will have like the weirdest fucking dreams ever Oh my god! Well, I can't wait. You've sold me, and I will definitely go to Groupon for enlightenment. Oh, next absolutely! Time. Every time, maybe. <laughs> hey, everyone! We are so excited. We have Andy Slavitt in uh, at our podcast today. He is a former White House senior advisor for COVID response under President Biden. Oh my god! And also, he's the host of the podcast in the bubble. So we're basically coworkers. Much cooler coworkers than um, I've had in the past, I will say, working at Lemonada. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm really excited. We're going to go over some awesome stuff um, and just really talk about maybe some major apologies that need to happen in the COVID response and talk a little bit about, you know, shaming our fellow unvaccinated Americans and kind of what that leads to. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited to like get some um, answers from a COVID expert because I will say um, I do read and listen to like podcasts of, you know, actual uh, COVID advice, but I also spend a lot of time on TikTok. Some might say too much time and <laughs> uh, lear- learning things like what to do in the event of losing your sense of taste and smell. I also learned about this really interesting side effect that some people are saying they get after having COVID called like uh, parosmia, where after they have COVID, everything that they smell like food smells like garbage. (gasps) It sounds like the worst side effect. But again, I'm learning a lot of things on TikTok, which are um, so I'm glad to have an expert in the house to just talk about some real COVID stuff. Well, okay, then let's let's get into it. Andy, I'm so glad you're here. The last time I saw you, at least, was uh, dinner in L.A. because we're sort of neighbors, which makes me feel kind of (laughs) cool. And we had dinner and we talked about a lot of things, some of it being COVID, which is what we're going to get into a lot today. But also at the very end of that meal, you got an alert on your phone about that was the night that we found out that Alec Baldwin, there was the rush shooting on his set. And I don't know, have you seen the the George Stephanopoulos interview he just did? No, I didn't see it. Okay, well, I mean, he basically said, I didn't pull the trigger. I don't feel guilt. I'm just curious. W-U-T, what? Like, (laughs) I didn't pull the trigger. Yeah, I mean, he claims that uh, he held the cock back. And when it went forward, you know, it let off. So I'm just like, so curious. We did a whole episode where we deep dive. I mean, I know I've sort of was like, defending him in the beginning but why does alec baldwin make it so hard to love him and he's now deleted (laughs) his twitter account because of this after this interview oh man well first of all that dinner was fun um so like you and i are friends now as far as i'm concerned if you'll have me of course you know it's so like hard for people and i'm guessing he's going through a really traumatic time and you know who knows i mean maybe he's in some like deep i'm guessing he's in some like really sad state where he's like, um, but but did it? But did it happen? I don't really remember if it happened. And his publicist probably is not able to control him, kind of bleeding out in the public. Um, and this is sort of the problem of having too much access to the media. It's like Alec, you know, maybe just sit quiet for a few weeks, feel terrible about what happened, 
you know, you can have this conversation later. But like coming out and definitively saying he didn't pull the trigger, like where's that going to lead? I just like I can't imagine it's going to lead somewhere. It's like yeah, no, there was a, there was a second gunman, right? Like <laughs> the grassy knoll, yeah, the grassy knoll, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that was never the issue. Who pulled the trigger? Just like a woman died, and that's the problem. Yeah, I'm surprised his lawyers even let him do that. I mean, it's like an active investigation, but you know, we'll see how that turns out. But we also talked. I remember at this dinner. You know, you are, at least to me and I think to all of us, like the COVID genius, like, you know, all things. And like, so, of course, like (laughs) when we had gone to dinner, I had gotten I was gotten both vaccinations and I was about to get the booster and I had been hearing different things. I was like, you know, I got both Pfizer. Should I get, you know, the Moderna booster? Because I heard that, you know, it's better to cover all the variants. And you were kind of like, well, yeah, I think you should do that in any way. So I actually ended up doing that. But I'm just curious now. I mean, have you seen the the movie Mean Girls? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, so there's a scene where everyone, you know, at the end was like, "Have you personally felt victimized by Regina George?" And I sort of feel that way about COVID now because I personally <laughs> feel victimized by COVID because now we have Omicron. Like I thought I'd be as triple vax and now we're going into 2022 and here we are with a whole new variant. Who is responsible for this? Like who, I mean, at this point, I'm like, I don't even know. I feel like I want to blame so many people. Yeah. yeah. Well, first of all, like Jess calls me America's COVID dad, which I think is hilarious because it's sort of is like, it's another way. It's a nice way of saying he really doesn't know anything, but he's a nice person. Um, <laughs> I guess um, like this is part of the issue. And I think it's, you know, it sort of connects to your show in a very interesting way because it's like, what if there's nobody to blame? Yeah. Like, it's like, in, in many ways, I think nobody's to blame and everybody's to blame. And here's what I mean by that. This is the virus that basically is sending us a message that until you care about your neighbor getting sick as much as you care about yourself getting sick, or until you care about someone in another continent getting sick as much as you care about yourself getting sick, this isn't going away. And, like, if you could think of a worse puzzle to give to the public, particularly the American public. Yep. It's like, okay, this will go away when you start caring about Africa. Go. Okay. Like, hold your breath. Yeah, good luck with that. So at one level, like, I think society's to blame because we've gotten so, our commitment to one another is so thin, not even continent to continent, but, you know, city to city, block to block. And on the other hand, you know, there, there truly are things that that happen that are just, you know, bad things. You know, person versus nature, person versus you know. We we read all we read all the books yeah. when we were when we were younger, and and at some level, like there's a too much probably displaced blame where, you know, you, you people go through the thinking of saying, "Shit, this is bad." Okay, who's doing the stupidest thing I could think of? And I'm going to blame them. I'm going to blame the anti-mask person. I'm going to blame the anti-vax. I'm going to blame, and that's too much responsibility to put on somebody. Now, when you say that, like, you know, we blame the, you know, anti-mask person, we blame, you know, the anti-vaxxers. I mean, I know personally that has led me, at least recently in this place, where when I see these people who've made these proclamations online of like, I'll never wear a mask or I'll never get vaccinated, and then they end up dying, I have become this cold-hearted bitch now where I'm just like, see... That's what you get. And like, it's led to this thing. Have you heard of the Herman Cain Awards? I haven't heard of them, but I can imagine what they are. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, 
it's exactly what you think it is. Yeah, but I, I don't think it ends well. I mean, look, we, we have a society now that is pretty intolerant of people making mistakes. And it's pretty easy to be judgmental. Like, if you, if you read, like, if you didn't say my name and read, like, a description of who I am, to me, I'd be like, ah, I don't like that. I can find something I don't like about that person. I can find something I don't like about everybody. And at some level, like, I don't think it ends well. And I'm not talking about for society. I think for us personally as human beings, when we just feel, like, in judgment about so many people, except for the people we know intimately well, because the people we know intimately well, we're like, yeah, no, but judge them based on their intention, not on their actions. And then everybody we don't know well, we're like, no, no, I don't care what their intentions were. Their actions are horrible. And so I would say that, one of the byproducts of this pandemic is so many relationships have been frayed because we've just been like, I ain't having dinner with that cousin of mine. And it's like, at some level, we should all be more than one action or one attitude. And we know this because we we were taught this when we were little kids. But in a time of crisis, I think we're forgetting. Yeah, I mean, I think that we... The funny thing is, is like we all want apologies from both sides. Like we want apologies from the people in our lives who refuse to do the things that we think they need to do the bare minimum to just get out of this. And they want apologies for saying like you're forcing this to get things in our body that we don't want to do. And it's like I can see both sides of it. But at the end of the day, no one's willing to give. So, I mean, at this point, I mean, is this around forever? Are we just going to have COVID in our life for the rest of our life because we just won't adjust? Well, there's sort of two different questions I think you put together here. I'll try to answer both of them quickly. One of them is like I found when I was in the White House uh, at the beginning of the year trying to figure out how what people's attitudes were towards vaccination. As hard as it was, the more I listened, the better I did. Yeah. And the more I just sort of said, you know, okay, people are feeling this way. There's the, Whatever way they're feeling – 98% of people are feeling that way for a pretty rational reason. I mean, if someone said to you, like, look, how could you put something in your body that's only been on the planet for, like, a year or two? It's not an irrational thought. Now, I could say I have a lot of arguments. I could say, well, it's been in 8 billion arms and it's a, and, and this proven technology, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But the people saying that, we can't treat them like they're saying something unreasonable. Or if we do, we'll never connect with them. So instead, if you say, well, tell me why that concerns you, and what information do you need in order to get yourself comfortable? You can get on a path with most people, not everybody, but with, but certainly with most people. Um, the other question you asked is like, is this going to be around forever? The answer is yes, but don't worry about it. And what I mean by that is, you know, coronaviruses like the common cold, you know, influenza, these things tend to um, – stick around, be seasonal, be treatable. And we have a lot of tools and we'll have even better tools over time. But I think what goes through your mind when you're saying this could be around forever is like, will April of 2020 be around forever? No, that's not, that's not going to be around forever. But, you know, will an infectious respiratory illness cycle through from time and again that we have the ability to protect ourselves against? Yes. And people who don't use the tools to protect themselves will be at much greater risk. Hi, 
Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. After season one aired, I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. And of course, my 90-year-old mom, Judy. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me Season 2 is out March 27th from Lemonada Media. Hey, listeners. Are you looking to update your wardrobe with items that actually make life suck less? We're here to help. We've got brand new Lemonada merchandise from Add to Cart, In the Bubble, The Interesting, Raised by Ricky, and more at the Lemonada Media online store. From stylish sweatshirts to eco-friendly water bottles, we've worked hard to curate a comprehensive line of actually cool merchandise that will fit seamlessly into your everyday life. Show off your favorite Lemonada podcast or your favorite lemon logo in style with t-shirts, tumblers, hats, mugs, and more. Head to our merch store at lemonadamedia.com shop to pick up your Lemonada merch today. So you were talking about how, you know, you've had to do a lot of listening. And it was interesting because recently, I mean, when this Omicron variant came out, I remember the first thing I heard was it came from South Africa. And that was what was in my head. And that was what I ran with. And I think everyone around me also assumed. And I think recently you tweeted, and I'm going to kind of go to Mahanad on this because you two, you and Mahanad are the only two verified uh, Twitter users on here. (laughs) But I think you tweeted something about it and someone corrected you and then you can you explain what happened? Yep. yep. So the the COVID Omicron variant was first discovered in South Africa by a South African scientist. But we don't know that that was where the first case was. The first case could have been in Netherlands. It could have been in Chicago. It could have been and, – and they could have had poor surveillance systems there. Now, there's a lot of uh, evidence to suggest that it probably centered in some of – in one of the African countries. But no one knows for sure. And people uh, responded on Twitter by saying, uh, in effect, this is dangerous because it looks like it's blaming Africa for this issue. And that's not fair. And that'll lead to, to um, some kind of reactions. And, you know, yeah. as, as, as you step back and think about it, like the way people blamed Asians uh, for, you know, COVID. And so, of course, I look at that and said, you know, someone pointed that out. I don't want my tweet staying out there um, without addressing it. Yeah. And so I said, look, um, this was poorly worded. Thank you for pointing this out. I'm going to correct it and say it was discovered there. We don't know where the first case is. That's very important toward people's attitudes towards Africa. And I think like on Twitter, because it's it's really interesting, like I think when people point stuff out, you got two choices. Well, you got three choices. You can ignore it and and it'll go away. Eventually, you hope <laughs> you can fight it, which is kind of what every temptation is. No, no, I didn't mean that. This is what I meant. No, no, I was really saying this, and you kind of misinterpret my word, and then you get into this long fight. Or you could say, you know what, that's a good point. And when you when you get on Twitter and you say, oh, that was a good point, most people are very forgiving and they're very they're like, hey, that's cool. Thank you for saying that because that's not easy to do. I don't always do that, but when someone points something out, because I tweet a fair amount that says, you know what, I'm not sure that's right. If I see that tweet, I will come back and say, hey, someone said something, and so I want to make sure that that's 
that that debate is at least in the open. Or if I'm if I'm wrong, that I say, you know what, the way I said it was wrong. Or there's a fourth way, which Mohanid does, which he just he'll just delete the tweet entirely. <laughs> if you go quick, you got to go quick if you're going to do that. Oh yeah, literally the second someone says anything, I'm like, yep, I'm I'm done here. This this point is not <laughs> worth it. Yeah, and my question, I guess, too, is like, do then we owe uh, an apology for the travel bans as well? Because no, I, I, mean, I don't. I think that's conflated. I don't think those two are related. Look, whether a travel ban is a good idea or a bad idea, put that aside. Whether it's good policy or bad policy. If you're going to put a travel ban up, the reason it's up is because there's a hot spot and lots of travel. Now, the reason why it's people say one reason why people say it's ineffective is because if people could fly to a third party point, like they could fly to Finland and then fly in from Finland, you're like, what's the point? So it's sort of like a bucket with a big hole in it. So, but look, it's not. Um, it doesn't need to necessarily be in the place of origin. Um, it's really because there's a hot spot. Uh, there and that's why they made the decision. Now there are a lot of contours to that decision, including I think what people are pointing out is it creates a bad incentive for countries that f- discover uh, new variants to report them, um, yeah. because it gives them economic uh, an economic consequence. And so it has to be done very, very, very carefully. I will say I've been part of the debates around those questions, and there's nobody I know except people on Twitter who that if they weren't in the room wouldn't say, wow, this is a really tough decision with a lot of contours, and people would come out very differently uh, on the answer. But it's a really legitimate question. If you've got an explosive infectious disease in a country to say, should you let people in that country in or should you not? I mean, it's a legitimate question. Yeah, I mean, I think that's my biggest fear. It's like, if they're raising the red flag, and then they get, you know, kind of chastised for it or punished for it, uh, then our other country is going to be like, well, then I'm just not going to say anything, and then it just becomes this huge problem. You know what you need? What we need is like some sort of global treaty, which actually rewards countries for reporting and and sets in place some rules around this is how travel will be done, and that it'll be to make sure it's revisited in a very short period of time, and to make sure that some economic uh, resources are put towards it. So if you said. Yes, this is going to cause you know two billion dollars of damage to the South African economy. The world countries get together and make a massive investment and say, because you reported uh, this and because this is harming your economy, this is what the World Bank is going to do. Uh, and I'm not saying that's that's the specific answer, but I'm saying that there is a there is a responsibility and accountability. Problem is we don't have a we don't have a global infrastructure anymore. The G20 is collapsed. The U.S. and China don't speak. The UN is more and more toothless, and it's unfortunate because we are a planet, and we just unfortunately can't govern ourselves like a planet. Do you think there's something that, I mean, I don't know, is there something that the government is not doing right now that they should be doing, whether that, like, you know, to get people to get more vaccinated or, I don't know, I just feel like, I just feel like what like we said earlier, like, uh, blaming people individually doesn't really work. It's not going to change anything. So there should be like some action taken by the government itself to get people more vaccinated. So let me say, if you were the president, what would you do? Okay, so those are two different questions, unfortunately. And then yeah. this is the dilemma in our country. Like I'll tell you what, the mayor of New York called me last night and he said, I'm going to roll out a requirement that everybody who works in a private business get vaccinated by the end of the year. Yeah. A mayor can do that. There's no question the mayor has the authority to do that. The mayor's already done that for public workers. 
where the federal government has jurisdiction, and this is where we have very conservative courts, and the conservative courts are and conservatives uh, are are suing the federal government, as you probably know, is the the federal government can say, well, federal employees, because if I'm the president, those people work for me, so I can require them to get vaccinated. Yeah, people who are in hospitals and nursing homes, they all take money from Medicare, so I should have the right to tell them they need to be vaccinated. Now, there's a lawsuit that stopped that from happening from a Louisiana judge, a conservative judge. There's a OSHA, which is a, uh, can make regulations around workplace safety, has said, hey, if you've got more than 100 people in your workplace, you've got to have a rule that says people have to either be tested or be vaccinated. That's also been halted by the courts. So I think in other countries, uh, Germany is, a, is an example right now, but, but many other countries, you're able to say, look, this is good for the public welfare. It's only temporary. We're going to do this. We're going to require this. The U.S. doesn't have that. So if I were a local leader, I would do absolutely everything I could to say, look, you got four-year-olds who can't vaccinate themselves. You got people who've had kidney transplants that can't be protected by a vaccine. Therefore, everybody has to step up and, and do that. Federal level, unfortunately, you can't really do that. Now, there, are there other areas that, that the president could play in? One place people point out is domestic travel. Could he say, hey, if you're going to get an airplane or a train and go from state to state, it's interstate travel and therefore you can regulate it. So that's a possibility. Again, it'd probably be subject to legal challenges. Uh, by the way, I don't think he loves the idea of mandates, yeah. the, pre- the president. I think he would much rather people got there on their own. But he's pushing about as far as he's, I think, legally been able to push. Sorry, I'm having a coffee fit. <laughs> I don't have COVID. I feel like that's the new <laughs> slogan of public coffers and sneezers. I oh, yeah. I, I want to I get a t-shirt that says, I don't have COVID. Yes. I need I need it on everything. And then and then on the back it could say just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, people see it when it's too late. Yeah. Speaking of I don't have covid, I mean, it just came out that Trump before the debate with Biden, he actually had a positive covid test. I guess he had a positive covid test, then took another test that was negative and he sort of ran with that, but in between that time period he sort of like, you know, met with like, he had a Times reporter who ended up testing positive for COVID. Then he met with a bunch of other people. I mean, not that we'll ever, ever get it, but like, doesn't Trump owe all these people an apology too? I mean. Well, if I recall, didn't he on the debate stage, like literally leave his little holding pin with a, with a, with a plexiglass wall and try to walk over to 79-year-old Joe Biden and, and like get near him? He absolutely did. What like what do you call that? I mean, it's not it's not attempted murder. Okay, I, I'll stop short of calling it <laughs> attempted murder. Okay, but it's somewhere between being a raging fucking asshole and attempted murder. It's somewhere in the middle of that. Yeah, I don't know where absolutely. in the middle. But if you know, like he knew, like it's not like he was being careless. He knew I have COVID. This is an old dude. I'm gonna go near him as much as I can. And it was really weird at the time. But in terms of prison time, it's bigger than a white collar crime. It's less than murder. I, I'm saying like seven years. And I don't care if he apologizes. I just go seven years in jail for many attempted murder or whatever we want to go make something, you know, attempted COVID murder. If I'm the jury and I watch the tape, I'd have a hard time voting not guilty. Agreed, especially since supposedly, even though he got the negative test, he was told, treat everyone as if you were positive. And he did the exact opposite of that. He has to... Um, I mean, just as a human being, there's like, who does that? Like, if you have the flu, like, if you're like, you 
hey, uh, you got the flu. We like, you know what? I'm gonna go out to see my friends and fly around, get an airplane, and be near people. Like, who does that? I mean, you're not even putting their life at risk. It's just like, it's a social contract that like nobody would think to violate. Like, what goes in your head at the, as you're doing it? You're like, you know what? Hey, I, I matter. These people don't matter. I mean, I don't understand. And as you know, like his philosophy is never say I'm sorry. Never say you're sorry. And it works. And it works. It does. It works. (laughs) It does work. It's created like this new version of FOMO, like where people are like the minute they're told like, just stay inside. Like, no, I'm going to go outside everywhere, even though before they did, had no interest in going. Don't tell me what to places. do. You're taking my freedom. Don't tell me what to do. This is a totalitarian government, right? I mean, it's like, but but this whole idea of never, never say you're sorry, never admit you're wrong. Yeah. Like, take it to an ex- extreme, and it's kind of going to its extreme now. There's like 30, 40% of the public who are like, yeah, I'm I'm racist. Jews won't replace us. Yeah, I'm racist. I yeah, I've been oppressed. I'm going to say it. I'm white. You know, white white man's been oppressed. I'm, I'm going to say it. I've been feeling it, and now I'm going to say it, and I don't have to say I'm sorry. And you're like, man, like no, no, put it back in the box. Like, yeah, I, I, I at first I was like, when when Trump first came on the scene, I was like, okay, good. Now we're going to see who the racists are and the racists and the and the nationalists and and, and all these people. They're they're going to get let's expose them because that's how we get rid of them. And now I'm a little bit more like no 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 go back in the box. This is unpleasant. I don't I don't want to see hide hide it. I like I don't like seeing it everywhere. It makes us all feel like we're living in a really horrible place. Um just from like a you know I was not in a sorority so I don't know a lot about the Greek alphabet but I, <laughs> I see there's like 24 letters in the Greek alphabet and omicron is like number 15. So were there 14 other variants cuz I feel like I only heard about like 5 or 6 of them. Yeah. Um, well, so yes and no. I mean, so they skipped new because they were like, hey, people are going to walk around going, hey, do you got new? What's new? Like, they're like, it would be a really bad, like, um, who's on first joke. Yeah. They skipped she because that's the name of the Chinese premiere. And it's sort of like, that would be bad. So they, they've skipped a couple. Okay. And, you know, I mean, it's. It's really like what I wonder when they, if the winner went out of the Greek alphabet. Like, I just think they start doing like storms, you know? Okay, because like, I was like, the, yeah, where do we go from here? Yeah. Hey, do you have Kelsey? <laughs> I have. I, now here comes Felix. I know, right? I remember like wanting hurricanes named after me, but new COVID variants, like, don't have the Kiki variant, please. I was one percent proud that Hurricane Andrew was kind of a badass hurricane. Like, I know people died, but I was like, you know, it's at least it wasn't. <laughs> at least it wasn't like oh. Andrew came and went fast. <laughs> um, so, Andy, what is your final message to people, you know, about this Omicron variant for the people who maybe, like, don't want to get vaccinated or, like, don't know what to do? Like, what would be your final word to just the general public? Final word is this. Like, in 2020, when this stuff was going on, there's, like, two questions. Do I close the country or do I open the country, right? Now we have, like, seven tools. Let me elaborate. We have vaccines. We have boosters. We have monoclonal antibodies. We have coming uh, ne- uh, next, these oral uh, antivirals. We have masks. We have indoor ventilation. We have rapid tests, We have uh, which allow you to, to understand like a day pass. Do I go out? Do I stay home? And, and more. And, and we're going to have more. So rather than thinking these very binary terms of 
do I do nothing? Do I not see my grandmother? Do I not go to a concert I like? Do I not see my friends? Do I not go to school, et cetera? Or do I? You can actually say, how many of these tools am I using and am I using them effectively? And by far, vaccinated and boosted, that's sort of like, that's sort of more than half the battle. If you don't do those things, then you can do everything else and it makes a difference, but it, but but you're missing the biggest one. So I'd say, you know, if you haven't done it, consider it. It's it's worth considering. But we we should talk about it in ways that people who haven't been vaccinated, people who aren't vaccinated, are irritated by people who are vaccinated, kind of lowering like this is the one thing you could do. To, no, it's not the one thing. It doesn't. It does. It's not the all seeing all being, change the universe thing. It, it, but it's a big help. So we'll talk realistically about that, and then you know use as many of these other things as you want. But the more you use, first of all, they're all they very modest inconvenience on your life. Um, I know that like wearing a mask is kind of crappy. Eating outdoors when it's you know when you prefer to eat indoors, you know it's not great, you know, etc. But honestly, there's probably unless you're a high risk person, there's probably not a lot of things you can't do if you use these tools. And so, embrace them, make them a part of life. And when we have big waves here, we'll use them. And when waves subside and, and there's very low case count, then you don't need to use them as much. Well, I love that. And uh, I'm not going to be uh, – I'm still superstitious. So I'm not going to say 2022 is going to be our year. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> we have tools. So I'm, yeah. I feel positive about that. Thank yeah. you so much, Andy. Yeah. It's a pretty compassionate way of looking at it. And I think we got to remember that. All the misinformation and all that stuff has been, I think, hard on a lot of people and yeah. uh, looking at it as like a broader part of how America functions right now instead of this like individual need to rebel is is probably important too. Yeah. So like try to do something kind to an anti-vaccine person you know. And, and here's what I would suggest. And I'm, all, and, I, and I'm kind of serious about this. It's just like tell them, hey. I, I want to understand your thinking and then tell them, hey, I get you. I, I, I hear you. I don't agree. I don't necessarily agree with you. And I think there's other ways to look at it. But I appreciate, you know, you're coming from and I learned something about you. Like that actually opens people up to feeling back connected again and opens the mind up a little bit. It's also just a kind thing to do. And I know that like the only reason I do kind things to other, for other people is for myself because it makes me feel good. I don't really care about the other people. <laughs> but I'm kind. I'm kind because I'm selfish. You get me? I think yes. most people are. That, yeah. That will be the quote that will you use to advertise this episode. Andy uh, does not don't. care about people. <laughs> please do not. Please do not. Okay, I will remove myself from the Herman Cain uh, subreddit. People love to pretend that there are simple formulas for living your best life now. Eat this and you won't get sick. Manifest it and everything will work out. But there are some things you can choose and some things you can't. And it's okay that life isn't always getting better. I'm Kate Bowler, and on Everything Happens, I speak with kind, smart, funny people about life as it really is. Beautiful, terrible, and everything in between. Let's be human together. Everything Happens is available wherever you get your podcasts. 
Last Day is a show about the moments that change us. I just don't think I will ever get used to this. I'm Stephanie Whittles-Wax, and I have had one of these moments. We all have. So let's unpack the chaos that is our human existence together. I don't believe things happen for a reason. I don't believe the universe has a plan. Each week, I sit down with a new guest to explore happy, sad stories of transformation. It's leaning far, far into the pain. That's what it is. Listen to Last Day wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, well, now it's time for my favorite segment, Sorry Not Sorry, where we uh, either apologize to someone or ask for an apology. Uh, Oha, what's happening? Who who owes you an apology? Yeah. Who do you want to apologize to? Okay, so I would like to demand an apology from uh, my facial sweat glands because I was in a play this weekend at Annoyance Theater, and within the first five minutes of having... Um, well, I did have a lot of clothing on because I'm dressed as like a 90s Christmas mom, you know, so it's a beaded cardigan on top of a turtleneck above another like, you know, classic Christmas dress mom. situation yeah. with like a wool trench. Oh, yeah, a wool trench. And then I have very high 90s hair. Oh, nice. Sort of a combination of like a sister wife and then just a down in her luck woman at like Spago's in Las Vegas. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, all this to say is that I was sweating so profusely for the first 15 minutes of this play that it literally looked like this woman who's supposed to be having a perfectly wonderful Christmas-like encounter was actually like trying to escape from someone who just tried to murder her. Like I looked like everything I was saying was so urgent and then um, I know that Botox is supposed to help with stuff like that. So I'm going to look into it, you guys. But I just need a direct apology from the glands just right above the top of my temple. You know, I will join you in that because the only reason I want Botox is seriously, I'm also a face sweater. And like when I was in New York and I was in the subways, I would have to carry not just regular like handkerchiefs, like washcloths, because yes. like yeah. the amount of sweat just on my face only, like nowhere else, just straight out my face. Oh, yeah. The New York subway has its own climate. Like once you're there, yes. you're like, Whoop, what's happening? And you're walking in and it's cold. And so you are completely bundled up. And then by the time you get in the train, the level of sweltering hotness is horrifying it's like they're trying to kill you like yes. literally yeah it's cold hot very hot and then extremely cold again and i'm just like what what's happening here pick something mm -hmm. that's a conspiracy theory that's it right there i mean it's not really a theory it is true they're trying to kill <laughs> us if you're listening <laughs> got it but yeah oh, I, I, I will not forgive or forget uh speaking of uh, forgiving what's what's happening kiki what's happening this week you know originally i was going to demand an apology from the supply chain because i know all of us are sort of like dealing with several issues one yeah. being a major one in my life which is uh, a cream cheese shortage i mean specifically in new york there is a cream cheese shortage some of the yeah. biggest bagel makers out there have like only days left of cream cheese and you know how much cream cheese goes <laughs> on a new york bagel it's almost the entire like oh, if you were yeah. looking at just a regular container it'd be like the whole container 
And so originally I was going to request an apology from the supply chain, but I was binge watching. I've been binge watching Yellowstone, which I don't know if you guys are watching Yellowstone. I very much encourage you to, if not. Okay. And when I realized how much we are just like taking away from planet Earth and it's, so it's not the supply chain. It's just us like constantly needing as much stuff as we constantly need. Yeah. I actually want to give an apology to planet Earth. And I encourage uh, planet Earth to just shed shed us because you know what we are an infestation. Yeah, we don't. We're like I think one of the quotes in uh, Yellowstone was like we are no longer living with the Earth. We are living on the Earth, and that's where we have made our fatal mistake yeah. because we have no interest in uh, what Planet Earth. You know what what its needs are exactly. Yeah. yeah, you know Earth do do what it is that you need to do. You know Earth is getting hot, getting rid of toxic people. You know, good for her. Why yeah. are we mad? We're yeah. Well, she's she's unleashed COVID on us, so you know she's really gaining strength to leave us because we've been abusing her at home. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, get get rid of the bad people first, but then you know mm-hmm. eventually we're like a toxic ex boyfriend. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, the hotter it gets, I like to believe, you know, at least the three of us, you know, with our melanated tones, we'll be able to survive a lot more of this. You know, our skins are made for this, like, extreme sun. Like, what all of these things that may happen. So well, the good people may stick around longer. <laughs> we are chosen. I mean, if if if, if Earth ends up taking, like, uh, Bezos and, like, Elon Musk, and, you know what? <laughs> I will root for climate change. <laughs> if that is the case. Oh my God! Uh, well, this week I—I uh, uh, I mean, our listeners at home might notice from my my voice is that I got a haircut. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I just sound like you know I immediately I, I have less weight on my head because my and my head <laughs> is cold now. But I think I need an apology from my barber because uh, that man will not shut the fuck up. <laughs> Literally the second I got into my seat, I, I I never met this man before, and he asked me to guess what ethnicity he is, and I was just like, I actually rather not do that. I was well, like, why? I was yeah. like, man, I am not gonna do what. Like, you're not gonna like, you know, quiz me. Like, what's this forced trivia happening right now? And then this is what he said. He said, my dad is Russian and my mom is from Kazakhstan, and I was like. How did you think I was gonna guess that? Yeah, like is no there way. a reality where like you've asked someone and they're like, yeah, I know exactly what country this man is a combination of. It's just Russian and the uh, you know Kazakhstan. I'm just like, bro, just leave me alone. And then he will just not stop telling me like COVID conspiracy theories. He was like, I am, I am like, I have two shots and I'm boosted. But let me tell you. They're trying to control us, and I'm just letting them. I was like, this is actually the best thing I've ever heard. Did you, like, do the trick where you put your headphones in to try to, like, give them a hint, like you weren't interested in this convo? You know what? Actually, I didn't have to do any of that. The owner eventually, like, got in, and he was just, like, literally just said, out of nowhere, I just heard the man say, please stop. Because apparently this is something he just keeps doing with every customer. He was like, please stop. Just, just cut his, please, please stop right stop right here and he was like okay man okay and i was just like okay thank god because i can't take the shit his work dad was like tommy you gotta stop bullying the little kids next door you gotta stop talking about your crazy stuff that's so funny (laughs) i i miss hair salons like ever since covid pretty much like 
when I get my hair done, they take one person at a time. So there's no banter other than with like the person. And like, I just like, I like what happens in the environment of barbershops and hair salons. Just like, yeah. Um, but yeah, when they just like, when it's just you and them and they just want to like breath you, it's just like, can I just like, you know, binge watch Bravo on my phone, please. I like <laughs> don't want to do this. Exactly. I feel like I should be able to watch something, do something. Also, I feel like there should be a choice. Like, do you want me to have a conversation with you or not? Like, maybe because like if you think you need to talk to me in order for me to tip or something, then you don't need to. I'll I'll tip you <laughs> as long as you don't fucking stab me in the head. <laughs> maybe that's how you enter the conversation. The less you talk to me, the higher the tip. Exactly. Yeah. God, what a baller move is to walk in and say that to a stylist. I don't speak in 99.9% of lifts or Ubers or I just ne- I don't say anything. <laughs> I love when they have that option where it says like do you want a quiet ride? I'm always like absolutely. It's funny because like uh Rosie uh loves I mean she talks to you know like Uber drivers and stuff like that which is good cuz she she can carry the conversation when we're together uh, which is nice but now we have a rule when I'm like Rosie if you tell the driver I'm a comedian, I'm going to get out. <laughs> well, no. I oh will get out. Being revealed as a comedian. Oh, I had a driver once, literally, like it was like a 20 minute ride. He pitched me three jokes that were very long. The funny thing is like, he would like get done and he was like, what do you think? I was like, oh, are you done? <laughs> oh, sorry. I was like, I literally, oh, no. that was the punchline. And I'm just like, bro, just please. Leave me alone. I have no power to make you anything, really. <laughs> so go to an open mic. Like, I'm paying you, and I have to listen to this. That's that's just too much. I'm Sorry is a Lemonada Media original. The show is produced by Alex McCohen. Supervising producer is Chrissy Pease. Our executive producers are Stephanie Whittles-Wax and Jessica Cordova-Kramer. Our mix is by Kat Yor, and theme music was composed by Xander Singh. If you like this show, please rate and review. And please don't cancel us. You can find out more about our show at Lemonada Media on all social platforms or follow us on Instagram at I'm sorry underscore podcast. We'll be back next week. And until then, be nice, play fair, and always say I'm sorry. Thanks for listening. Hey, friends, it's Megan Trainer And her big bro, Ryan Trainer And her husband, Daryl Sabara. Each week on our podcast, Working On It, we share behind-the-scenes stories and bring you into our hilarious and heartfelt conversations, and sometimes with amazing guests. We tackle everything from navigating Hollywood to mental health to Megan becoming a mother, Daryl becoming a father, and so much more. We'll get into the nitty-gritty of our lives and leave no detail behind. Prepare to laugh, cry, and hopefully learn something new. Listen to new episodes out every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. Join us on Archetypes, a dynamic podcast hosted by Megan, the Duchess of Sussex, as she digs into the labels that try to hold women back. In each intimate and candid conversation, Megan is joined by guests like Serena Williams, Mariah Carey, Paris Hilton, Issa Rae, and Trevor Noah, as they delve into the roots of countless common descriptors of women like diva, crazy, dumb blonde, and the B word, and redefine and reclaim each identity along the way. The complete season of Archetypes is out now on Amazon Music or wherever you get your podcasts.